Hello and welcome to episode 15 of Yagmoth Soap Opera, the classic-related podcast brought to you, the community. I'm Andy, the Eternal Hammer. I'm joined by regular co-hosts, Zach and George. And this week we have special guest, Killer Owen. Um, do you want to say hello? Hey guys, what's up? Um, hello! <laughs> hi. Okay, so Classic failed to fire an event again this week, so we're a little light on material. Um, the prices for cards which are uh, staples in legacy format have gone through the roof we're going to be having a look at where the prices currently sit the impact this has on both legacy and classic and maybe give you some advice on when when to start picking up these cards if you haven't done so already uh, we're also going to have a quick look at um, a gush bond deck um, the gush bond engine is fully available in in classic it's a very powerful uh, resource but at the moment no one's playing it no one's taking it into the events um, well even though the events aren't firing it would be nice to uh, maybe try and put put this uh, deck on the map and um, get some innovation going in in, in classic and um, we'll we'll uh, see see what else comes up with, uh, with discussions with our guests and uh, other co-hosts as well. So, George, do you want to kick us off by uh, having a look at the ridiculous prices of some of these legacy staples? Um, yeah. So I, I noted I knew that Lions Eye Dine and Force of Will have been creeping up for the last couple of months. And at first it was just the growth of Legacy, but they've recently jumped quite a bit, and I think that's uh, in preparation for the Grand Prix Providence. But when I was doing my last uh, Penguin TV, which is Green White Hate, I noticed that Tarmogoyfs were $42 and Wastelands were 60 And that just surprised the hell out of me. Yeah, and I mean, there's been a triple trickle-down effect, too. Um I was going to put together one of the top performing decks. I was going to go throw together um, Team America. And to my surprise, him to Torak is a full two and a half to three tickets more expensive than Thoughtseize now. It's And what's that, eight? Eight tickets. I found it for seven and it was a good deal. Um, I think... Uh, it might be a temporary thing just because these are in demand right now, but, you know, it's just, it, it really shocks me. Um, Owen, what have you been seeing as far as the pricing on some of these legacy singles? Well, mostly, you know, Force of Will, you know, Wasteland, other cards, like you said, have been going up. But uh, like you said, the cards that you mentioned, uh, recently I did the, the metagame for Legacy, and uh, the top five of those decks, one of those cards are in each one of those decks, so that probably plays a huge role on it along with the Grand Prix that's coming up at the end of this month. So, uh, like George was saying earlier, um, Wine's Eye Diamond just went up to the roof, and it's actually the number one played deck that's winning in Legacy right now, so that explains a lot of why the price has gone up so much. Sure. Um, let's see. Yeah, in uh, second and third place, uh, we have Bant and Zoo, and fourth, uh, Haterade, and Tarmogoyf is in each one of those decks, so that explains a lot as to why Tarmogoyf has gone up so much as well. What do you think about the availability of Lion's Eye Diamond, you know, in our client compared to real life, since it was such a short run with uh, Mirage? Um, actually, Mirage was out longer than most of the Eternal sets we get right now, kind of like Tempest, Stronghold, Exodus, uh, sets like that. <laughs> it was out for, I believe, at least a year at one point. I, think- but, um, I, I believe so, when it first came out, because that's about when I first got into Magic Online, and I remember... Was it Visions was out and I was waiting for Weatherlight and it seemed Mirage was out for a long time. But uh, recently, with the new way they do the Eternal uh, limited sets, uh, it's only in the store for about two weeks. So it's pretty limited that way. Uh, it might be longer than that, but um, 
let's see. There's a Mirage Visions and Wild Light, uh, what is it, Nick's packs coming up. So if we can get people joining that, it'll probably help out a little bit. But um, right now with Ad Nauseam being the top deck in Legacy, um, it's going to be hard to find those. Yeah, um, and I'm pretty sure that Mirage may have been in the system longer than some standard sets have been. Well, it was uh, it, it was the first you know pre-invasion set that they put out, and they left it in the store. I think up and up through Tempest Block, like after it. You know, it's kind of my fault for using the terminology that I did, but you know, keep in mind one of the cool things is yeah, these new sets have a really short run, and it sucks. But Wizards has also gotten really cool about leaving Nick's text queues up for like ever, so these cards are consistently getting open now. Whereas yeah. with the MVW stuff, kind of what I was talking about is no one played those. No one played those events at all. Exactly. I remember when I first on, no one ever played Mirage's and Well Light. But when they put the limit on, the two-week limit on the sets, you see a whole lot more people going into the sets because they want to do it while they can before it's gone. Exactly, yeah. So I, I think I think a lot of it as well is uh, where, where we're at now with, with Legacy um, being available online. When Mirage was first... Uh, first released the the idea of playing full-blown legacy online was uh, a dream for many players but it was a long way off being a reality and so there wasn't such an incentive to get into those events and and crack those staples which are now uh, astronomically priced um so that's one point the other thing is that there's an awful lot of junk rares in mirage i think there's uh, 110 rares something like that in the set and very few of them attract any kind of money apart from the diamond the other thing as well is that as well as the diamond being um, in the most popular legacy deck as well, it is a card that you, you, you're going to want four copies of as well, which is uh, which pushing up, up the price. Comparing that with something like Vampiric Tutor, which you, you only need one copy of. So there's, um, there's a big demand for it. It's in a, it's in a popular deck. And uh, the release of Mirage was, uh, was perhaps unfortunate um, in that it was the first, the first classic set that was released. And um, it may have been... Uh, been been nice if if at that time we knew that legacy was coming it may have enticed more people to to, to get into those queues early on well, well the same... thing about that is uh ad nauseum didn't exist for years until after uh you know mirage had been in the uh the system true true and i guess infernal tutor as well we also didn't have ill-gotten gains and along the same lines with uh, legacy if you recall uh, when Mirage was first out, Classic wasn't huge at all. It really didn't gain popularity until Flash decks started popping up. But there just wasn't any incentive to play Classic back then, really. Yeah, and, yep. it, was, and it was really, like, marginal archetypes, too. It was, like, Belcher without all the pieces. It was black-white uh, aggro. It was red deck wins. There was a lot less, like, that was before, like, Flash was even a huge deal. Yeah, and I, I remember uh, Lion's Eye Diamond, I believe, was four ticks at one point. And, like, I remember when I got on, I saw Lion's Eye Diamond, and I said, who would pay four ticks for this? You know, <laughs> it's, it's stupid seeing that now, but back then it was like, you know, what what is the use for this? Yeah. Uh, we yeah. didn't have anything to really enable Lion's Eye Diamond and use it or abuse it, so. The crazy thing is that's back in the day when, like, Yavamaya Coast was 20 tickets. So, uh, so Owen, I know you've got a, a pretty extensive foil collection, and you've... Uh, 
you've been champion picking up cards when they're when they're released and that they're at the cheapest point and and you've always been uh, keen at picking up four copies and uh, I believe you recently picked up four copies of the promo wasteland so that's looking like a good buy oh yeah there was that was probably one of the harder ones to get it seemed there was a lot of people trying to get that and that was right before the price of wasteland spiked um Usually when the promos come out, the prices tend to drop for a little bit. Like, they go way low. But shortly after, they skyrocket back up. So that's the time to get the cards if they're ever releasing them as promos. Yeah, I was truly amazed with the promo release. I mean, there must have been about 600 Wastelands coming into the system. And within a week, the price of uh, Wasteland was going up rather than down, despite the increase in supply. Exactly. Yeah, they got gobbled up. And, you know, with the the Grand Prix coming up, that explains some of the reason why it's gone up, but there's got to be people, you know, hoarding them because there's no way that, you know, right after so many Wastelands were released into a system that it actually went up, you know, 30 tickets more than it previously was. Uh, so. There must be some serious hoarding going on. The the fact that sort of Underground Sea is, is 25 tickets um, and, and, and the rest of the Jewel Lands, whereas... The the, um, the wasteland is at sixty. I mean, it, it doesn't really make a lot of sense. Yeah, and um, legacy has been picking up online, but I don't think it's picked up enough to justify the price being that high right now. Um, I could be wrong about it, but that that's just my two cents. I mean, it's let's see, this last month and a half, I think there's five hundred thirty-seven decks at one total, compared to when I first started writing, and it was about two hundred or something a month. So it's really gained popularity, but I don't. Most of those players already had their wastelands beforehand, you know, so I'm not sure what's causing the price to go up so high on wasteland. But like I said, well, with the same thing, like I said, Mirage Vision and Weblight, they're doing a Nick's Ticks next week, I believe. Um, but Tempest Stronghold and Exodus is going to be in that as well. So I could see a lot of people drafting that. I mean, a $60 uncommon. I mean, that's pretty good. So. Yeah. Um. And if they put those packs in the store, it might it might be worth you know spending four dollars to try and open wastelands. Yeah, well, uh, one of our clan members, Bat Guts, he did some um, very quick back of the envelope calculations, and he worked out that without including the junk rares and without including any of the foils, the the EV of cracking a pack was about three point seven four. Um, so if you add in those junk rares and you add in the possibility of cracking some really good foils, uh, if you can buy these packs from stores at three ninety nine, they're you, you probably got a good chance of at least breaking even, if not turning a small profit. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, like, with even, they have a uh, Lotus Petal that's running about, what, four tickets right now? I mean, that's a common. You're you're going to get tons of those, and they have Parish at Uncommon. I mean, there's a lot of commons and uncommons in that set of their, that are worth quite a bit of mon- money. Uh, they have uh, Ancient Tomb, I believe. Diabolic. I just, uh, I just sold Propagandas for two and a half. Yeah, I mean, the the prices in this set are just crazy, especially for comps and uncommons. Well, you know, I, I, I think we should touch on the fact that it kind of sucks that they're doing... Uh, I mean, how great would it be if they had one of those Nick ticks this week and then one the next week? It's like, you have to kind of yeah. keep your poison between them, and I I think that's kind of a uh, kind of an injustice to the whole system. Oh, sorry, it isn't it? No, no, it's an advantage that um, Magic Online has over Paper Magic in that supply of cards can 
can be manipulated. Um, it, it is possible to get more wastelands into the system by making Tempest drafts um, attractive to draft and uh, Tempest packs attractive to crack and buy from store. So um, yeah, if, but, if prices but, ever do get out of control, then that's a way of reining them in, and I guess that's what they're trying to do here. But Andy, I yeah, think but, you're missing my point here. What I'm saying is... We also want more LEDs in the system, so we're forcing sure. people to pick between LED and Wasteland, you know, just off the cuff for one solid week instead of splitting them up into two different weeks. Oh, sorry, sorry, I see what you're saying. Right, okay, yeah, it would be nice if they'd, yeah, sorry, if they'd had uh, two, two weeks of Nick Tick drafts, one of Mirage and then one of Tempest. Exactly, I see what you're saying. Yeah. yeah, yeah, no, that would have been nice. Yeah, I don't know about you guys, but I think that $60 uncommon beats $110 rare every time. Yeah, and, and Mirage is a huge, huge set, too. So um, Yeah, I usually do Mirage Risen Well Light, but with Wasteland at 60 ticks, you know, I'm I'm probably going to be doing the Tempest Stronghold and Exodus events. I mean, I love Mirage, the Mirage block, but with 60, like, ticket uncommons, I, I can't really pass it up. So I'm definitely going to be doing the Tempest Stronghold and Exodus ones. I mean, even though we need the Mirage block cards in the system, you know, you it's just a better value to do the Tempest ones right now. Yeah, they should have created. They should. They, they could have created like a really kind of uh, wacky draft format of, uh, you know, Mirage, Tempest, and uh, Exodus or something like that. You know, just to kind of uh, have a different different draft format and actually kind of select packs which are required. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know if they'd ever do that. <laughs> I don't know. It'd be cool. <laughs> I mean, no. they, they kind of they kind of did that recently, didn't they? Where they had um, Zendikar drafts. Yeah, ZWR, but I think those are almost, you know, they've always considered Rise of Eldrazi its own block, so it's not really a stretch. Sure, it's, yeah. I don't know. Um, so, I mean, I know I paid attention last year, and I assume that some of you guys did, um, with the prices near Grand Prix, I think it was Columbus, and Force of Will, you know, was 150, Tarmogoyf was 90, I think. And then they, they drop back down to earth right after the Grand Prix. Do you guys think that that'll happen again this year? Um, I think with some of the cards that'll happen. Like, I don't think... I do not think Hem to Torak, even with the limited supply, will stay at eight tickets. But I do think that people have now, for three straight years, noted that uh, Force of Will is a card that's not getting inserted into the system, at least as of yet. And it's a card that is at a premium because you need 4x, just like, even though it's an uncommon, just like Wasteland. Um, I see those maybe dropping a little bit, but I don't see them dropping a lot. What about you guys? Well, if you think back, last time Force of Will was 150 tickets. They did the, the Master's Edition 1 just draft. It was just med 1 all the way across the board. And that put a lot of Force of Wills into the system, and they haven't done that for a long time. So if they don't do that... It might drop a little bit, but I don't see it dropping as drastic as it did last time. Whereas the same time last year with Tarmogoyf, like you said, I believe it dropped down to 13 tickets at one point, and the foils were 20, 25 tickets. So, I mean, that dropped hard, but we don't have the amount of force of wills in the system to drop that low. I, it's a staple in Classic and Legacy. And <laughs> yeah. People don't I want to sell their copies. Yeah, a lot of Tarmogoyf dropping, though, was its rotation out of the old style like, uh, extended, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Yes, that is also correct. So, well, I'll tell you this: I, I totally remember that. I actually cracked three Force of Wills that week. Um, wow! So, if they do it again, I will be all over it like uh, like nothing you've ever seen. So, yeah, we'll I, I'm 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 a hundred percent sure we will see Med One drafts again. 
Yeah, but will they do Med one, two, three? That's a, it's a huge no. difference between no, triple. No, no, no. I th- I think what we'll see is Med one four. Uh, that'll. I mean, that brings other cost considerations into effect. Are the prices of stuff like uh, Mana Drain, Bazaar Baghdad, Land Tax, that kind of stuff, going to go up that, then if they do that? Well, they, they maybe will, but I mean, they're not a, they're not a value at the moment where they're causing problems. But they can easily run Med One Four Qs, which I think would be pretty interesting. That would get Force of Wills into the system and more dual lands. Um, and and there's not really that much else from those other two sets that really require to come in. Um, Bazaar's yeah. only really eight eight tickets. I mean, if anyone wants to pick that up, they can. You know, um, uh, the other, the other thing that it would do is create a more stable draft format because Med One 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 is pretty terrible to draft. I disagree. Ublet is easily the easiest card in the format to own with. There's no enchantment removal, and all of the exactly. and it's got enchantment. It's ridiculous. It's awesome. But I hear where you're coming from. I agree. It's not like the most fun, or uh, you you have to basically know the format to do well in it. And um, once you know the format, there's really only one way to play it. So yeah. I personally, I personally like black green aggro. I think that's the best strategy. Yeah, uh, blue and white were pretty terrible. So uh, yeah, I, I would love to see Med One inserted back into the system some way, uh, but. I don't know. I, what, what do you guys think about the other prices outside of the Masters editions? Do you think they're going to stay stable after Legacy season? Um, I probably see a lot of them dropping a bit. I don't think they're going to drop a whole ton. Like like I said earlier, Legacy has been picking up, and a lot of people have been playing, but that could be because of the Grand Prix as well. So it's hard to say exactly, but I, I think they will fall some, but I don't think they're going to fall as hard as most people would hope they would. What do you think about those Star City tournaments? Are they having a big impact as well? I think it's doing a great job of getting the format exposed. I mean, if you think back a few years ago to where Legacy was, you know, there wasn't nearly as many people playing it now. But now, you know, players are trying to get the cards in paper. And in order to test for these uh, Star City game events, they, you know, more people are coming online. The closer we get to having a complete Legacy set, you know, the better testing ground it will be for them. So... I, I see it, you know, actually helping out the legacy format, but, you know, prices will go up with people joining the format. Um, and that's interesting because in paper, I believe, I believe Wasteland is 50 or $60 in paper now. Isn't that it's 60 online? They just want to mirror the paper price. Mm-hmm. And I, I've been noticing that a lot with a lot of the legacy staples. A lot of the cards are, you know, they were cheaper online, but now, they're reaching the paper price or even higher at some points. So, yeah, and especially uh, IPA cards—they've always been notoriously higher online, like Deed and Orm's Chant. And I don't know how Vindicated is in real life, but it's really expensive now online. I think I think Vindicate's like a fifteen or twenty dollar card, and it's a forty dollar card online. Forty, dude? No, it's like fifty-five. Oh, see, there's there's more of that uh, Legacy Rising. That card was $25 like six months ago. Oh, dude, I had two of the promos that I sold for like $22 each, and I could kick myself right now. <laughs> um, so speaking of the complete Legacy card pool, where do you guys see Mercadian Masks and Ice of Rishadon Port and Tanglewire? And Foil Days and Gush. I see Rishadon Port going super high because it's going to be the one card everybody wants. 
Well, it really depends how they release this block into the system. Um, if they go with the traditional release of three separate sets in uh, over a space of a year, releasing them one at a time, then yeah, ports are going to be super expensive. But if they if they do something a little bit different, a little bit radical, and release all three sets at once, or uh, have kind of mixed packs, then then may- maybe that will uh, try and keep the price of port down. How mad will you be when you get a prophecy rare though? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so true, so true. I, I really pray that they're just going to take the best of the block, chuck it into a set, call it Med 5, and slap in some Mythic Power 9. Yeah, there's no chance. There's, there's yeah. no way that they are not going to release the entire um, Mercadian Masks blocks into Modo. Every yeah. every card in that set will make it online. You, you know have a thing like... funny, guys? I think it would be really funny to see post-Mercadian uh, block the the profit data compared to Urza's block. I bet um, that you, would be pretty hilarious. Yeah, I, I guarantee you once they get to, like, Prophecy being, like, release event, I bet, like, whatever fired for Urza's Destiny, 125% of those uh, events fire for Prophecy. Quite possibly, quite possibly. The other thing I've been dreaming of is um, a copy of Force of Will and a copy of Wastelands in the... Uh, in the commander decks that are being released this summer, but again, that seems very unlikely now. Yeah, I'm I'm a little bit interested. I heard Owen earlier talking about how you know he thought that the prices of Force of Will drove them to do the Med One events. I've never heard any like concrete proof that that's what Wizards does. Like they actually watch the secondary market. Do you think that is? The way it works, like if uh, if that happens again, do you think that that prompts them to run these events? Yeah, well, I think I think I think Tom Lapelle almost kind of admitted that, didn't he? In in uh, in one of the, in in the podcast that when we had him on, did he not say that they they watch the events and they 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 will do what it takes to make sure that cards are available? Did he not say something like that? Well, it's, it's not necessarily watching the events and making sure they're available. I think that's, you know, just the number of the system. What I'm talking about is the price of cards. Does Wizards watch that? I think that they do. Yeah, I remember last time, the example I was saying earlier, I remember during that time there was a lot of complaints on the forum about the price of Force of Will and how it was a $150 card. And shortly after, they did the Med 1 event. So, I, you know, there's no proof that that's why, but... You know, being close to that same time period, you gotta wonder. So I should start complaining on the forums now, then. <laughs> um, and you, you also, you also can't rule out the fact that they would, they would put a foil force of will in one of those uh, premium deck series, uh, like counter spells. They could very easily put that in there to help the uh, paper format. And then, oh my God, we have thirty-five dollar foil force wills. You know what? I, I gotta admit. The more I think about it, the less I see that happening. Because all this time, up until this year, uh, and let me know if I'm wrong, but I think I'm pretty pretty spot on with this. I think Force of Will and Paper has been about a $25 card. And all of a sudden this year, if, if I'm correct here, I think it jumped up to a 60 to $75 card. And I do not see them reprinting that in a set like that that's widely available, considering it's very expensive online, and it's pretty expensive in paper now as well. I I, I Um, don't see them angering the collectors like that, honestly. Well, they didn't anger the collectors with Foil Chain Lightnings. People loved it. Foil Chain Lightning is on a different plane than Force of Will, though. Yeah. Chain Chain Lightning is more rare and older than Force of Will, though. It may be worth 
less money than Force of Will currently is, but it was like a $20 card, and, and then they released the uh, dual, the, the, the set. And, was, you know, a $90 Force of Will doesn't seem like it's that great of a deal for, uh, for Paper Legacy. It's, they're going to start bitching just like we do. Yeah, and didn't they do that with Berserk as well? Wasn't Berserk quite, quite expensive in Paper? Berserk was like a $100 card, and it dropped to 80 Mm-hmm. And they yeah. put the put put the foil in the um, from the vaults. Yeah, well, one of the things that's kind of special about those from the vaults decks is I heard that in paper they were impossible to find. Like they sold out right away, and they had a very limited run. So I think that has um, a pretty large bearing on it too. That is well, correct. I remember trying to get some at my local store, and the retail on those I think was thirty-five, but the stores are charging a hundred plus everywhere I called. Yeah, so. see, that's what I heard. That's ridiculous. I don't even know how that's legal. Um, well, it's legal because it's a very limited print run, and the MSRP is not uh, not what you have to sell it for. But I mean, you you guys may have been unlucky. My my comic book shop sold them to me for seventy five dollars because I was a regular customer. That's still double MSRP. And you know what? I can sell them right now on eBay for more than I paid for. They're still sealed. Yeah, I just don't. I, I wish they'd put MSRP at what what they what they actually thought it would be worth because it sounds like everyone knew they'd be worth at least double. Yeah, but it's it's kind of you kind of have to view this as a gift to the brick and mortar stores because you know uh, Walmart doesn't get these online only stores. They, they give them only to the brick-and-mortar stores who support the game through the uh, Wizards Play Network, and they get to make, you know, 300% on their buy-in price of the product, and that's, like, a nice little bonus for them. And uh, I think that we may have to say goodbye to Killer Owen right now, and he's got to run, but you want to say anything before you leave, buddy? Um, yeah, you guys keep joining those legacy events. Uh, try to get into classic events. I've been kind of busy now, but I haven't been able to jump into them. But, um, yeah, and definitely keep an eye out on the prices. Expect them to drop a little bit, but, you know, now is not a bad time to get into legacy. Um, I wouldn't try to get a whole collection. Just focus on one deck that you want to play. Uh, but other than that, uh, thanks for having me on the show, guys. I hey, appreciate thanks it. thanks for joining us, man. Cheers. Cheers, Owen. All right. I'll see you guys Have later. One. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, do you guys do you guys think that's a valid way to look at it? That they're getting a nice little bonus for being, you know, a brick and mortar store. Yeah. I mean, I guess I can see that. I, I'm not. You know, I don't play in real life, so I don't think I'm a very good person to speculate on it. What about you, Andy? Yeah. No, I I don't play uh, play Magic in real life either. Living uh, living in the UK and the scene's a little bit quieter than it is over in the states. Um, I'm not even sure what the availability of such products are uh, over here. I guess the, the the fact is that if 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 there was a foil uh, force of will in one of those type of uh, sets, then then online where there is no availability issue, you automatically set a cap on the price of that card for for almost ever. I mean. Uh, you would just see Force of Wills being sold for thirty dollars, and that would be it. Yeah. Well, that's not exactly true. The Masters Edition One versions would be worth more because they're more rare, and I believe the Masters Edition One foils would still be worth a hell of a lot. You guys know because there's a Force of Will sitting on Supernova right now for three hundred that you could buy. Yeah, but we're not going to talk about. Um, so I guess, uh, I guess that brings us to the close on the pricing. Do you guys want to talk about the, uh, Gush deck? 
Sure. Um, so we've been talking in the podcast recently how um, in, in Classic we've got uh, four Gush, four Brainstorm and four Merchant Scrolls available to us. And these form a pretty potent engine which once was pretty dominant in Vintage. In, in Vintage the, the Restriction Hammer fell and initially Brainstorm, Merchant Scroll and Gush were all there. Uh, all restricted and uh, gush subsequently unrestricted. But in classic, we have all of these pieces of the engine available to us as a force times. And for those of you who don't know the the, uh, the gush bond engine, the the plan is to drop um, <coughs> fast bond as soon as possible, um, either by having it in your opening hand or by tutoring it with um, vampiric tutor or imperial seal, or, or one of the other tutoring effects in in the deck. Um, you land it, you play a few land. You cast Gush, you return there a couple of lands to your hands, draw a couple of cards, replay the lands, then maybe play a Merchant Scroll to find another Gush and rinse and repeat until you're in a position to find a finisher to the deck. Um, sometimes the finisher can be um, powered out by uh, Yagmoth's Will, replaying all of those um, those Gush-type effects. So once you get Fastbond down, it's... Uh, a pretty um, consistent engine there to to draw out most of your deck and, and get to some sort of kill. And I was recently reading an article on Star City Games um, about a Tropical Storm build, which um, plans to um, join together um, a Storm combo deck with the kind of Gush engine. And I thought that this looked pretty interesting and that I'd be interested in... Um, porting it over to, to Classic. So um, if you jump into the article that we've got up for you, you'll see a, a copy of the, the current deck list. And um, one of the biggest uh, biggest weaknesses to the deck, unfortunately, is Shop. Um, with all of the uh, the low casting cost cards and uh, the, 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 the need to cast multiple spells per turn, Shop just tends to lock this out in, in Game 1. So you're really relying on your sideboard uh, to have any... Uh, fight against what is currently the most dominant deck in the classic environment. But um, this is the deck, and um, I've been playing it and was hoping to, to get into an event this week, but unfortunately none of them fired. And very powerful effects in the deck in, in terms of um, Mind's Desire and uh, Yagmoth's Bargain. It's, it's interesting to note that most people will often hold back the counter magic um, waiting for a business spell and then you drop Mind's Desire and they've obviously missed the boat to try and stop you going and once you once you start flipping over the Mind's Desire copies um, there's, there's little they can do to stop you especially when you can then duress away uh, any counter magic they have in their hand there so um, George and Zach I don't know if you've been uh, testing Gush at all since um, the release of Fast Bond into the classic environment um, or whether you have any specific comments on this on this deck list, but uh, this is what I've been playing, and um, happy to sort of talk around it and see if we can get people interested in playing Gush and uh, see if this this build can spark some some interest. And I'm hoping that this can be a, a competitive Gush uh, list for going forward in Classic. Um, well, I told you in client when you showed me the deck list that uh, the one thing that I did not like about it was that you didn't have an Oath of Druids target in your sideboard to combat shops because Blightsteel isn't a very... Um, I don't think it's a very good creature to Oath into against uh, workshops, not when you have all these other options. But other than that, it looks cool. I haven't really played a lot of uh, Gush decks, but um, I would definitely, you know, make that small change in the sideboard and throw this into a, a Penguin TV. 
yeah, that would be cool. I'd love to see this getting shuffled up for Penguin TV. Um, so in terms of testing with the deck against Shop, I played a lot of games uh, a couple of nights ago against the Wild Dog, who's uh, a clan member of Magic Eternal, and I got absolutely trounced. Um, Shop locked me out. Um, which forced me to go away and, and tweak the sideboard somewhat and uh, and the main deck. And the, the differences really were getting the glamour into the sideboard. I'll come back to that in a minute. Uh, extra Hercules recall and um, getting getting the rebuild into the main deck. And and I've I've been playing some uh, other games and testing against Shop. And now I seem to have a a pretty decent run uh, games two and three after sideboarding. So there's there's an awful lot of hate coming in. So as Wiffy's already mentioned, I bring in the, the Oath of Druids, um, which presents a really good clock against the shop decks. Um, a two mana cast to cost spell is something that's fairly easy to get out, and uh, shop wins by casting uh, casting creatures most of the time unless they go for Mistress Factory beatdown. Um, we've got three Nature's Claims, uh, one Hercules Recall from the board, and three Deglamour. The, the glamour has been surprisingly good. Um, initially, when I when I put this deck together, I was although I was basing it on the Star City Games list, I decided to splash red, and I was splashing red primarily for Ancient Grudge. Um, the view was that that was basically a two for one against Shop. Um, this wasn't as successful in testing as I hoped. Um, the kind of need to run Volcanic Island uh, weakened the the mana base and. Um, I, I just I just found that it was often often lacking, and I, I used to get color screwed a lot. So moving to the glamour, which is green mana and um, only needs a, a, a colorless mana addition to support it, has has helped with the consistency issues. Um, the other thing with the glamour as well is that it um, chalice chalice of the void for for one will shut off my nature's claim, but I can hopefully get back into the game with with the glamour at the casting cost of two. Um, I've also been bringing the Glamour in against the Blue Control Mirror Match. Um, he is absolutely brilliant at um, taking out Blightsteel Colossus and um, giving you an opportunity to win. Also comes in against uh, the Oath Match as well. So it's a card that isn't seeing much play in, in Classic at the moment, but um, I, I like it. I think it's a great card, and um, the surprise factor's there as well. And if, if uh, Blightsteel Colossus isn't causing you a problem, but they're going for the Vault Key combo, then taking out the Time Vault as well is also a great option. Um, I've also actually uh, deglamoured my own Blightsteel Colossus at one point uh, in response to a Swords to Plowshares. Um, the next turn I was able to Yagmoth's Will my Tinker and bring back my Blightsteel Colossus and beat down for the win. So <laughs> lots of useful uh, applications for that little card there as well. Very cool. So you would totally go with the Glamour over Naturalize, for instance. I, I like well, the fact that the Glamour can hit Blightsteel Colossus. Yeah, that's cool. I just, I also, I guess it's pretty good that, you know, uh, what is it, Workshop doesn't have a, a draw engine, so you're you're less likely for them to re-hit their own card anyway. So I guess that that's, that's a pretty pretty tricky card there, Andy. Yeah, that's um, don't be too quick to say that Workshop doesn't have a draw engine. I've been seeing a lot of people playing with Staff of Domination and Metalworker, and I mean a lot. Yeah, that is that is a pretty darn good uh, draw engine, isn't it? Yeah, uh, draw draw your entire deck until you hit Vault Key and then win. Seems good. Yeah, seems seems pretty decent. Um, so yeah, I guess that's kind of another card to be scared of now in uh, in stacks. Is that the new thing, the staff? Um, well, with Metalworker and 
three artifacts in your hand, you get infinite mana. Oof, that's scary. But yeah, the uh, the deck itself looks really cool. I'm uh, I'm kind of interested in this because honestly, one of the reasons I haven't played Fastball and Gush yet is because I always see um, Mana Drain in the deck, and that's not you know a hindrance here. It doesn't even run it, and it's more of a storm build. Uh, this also would this run uh, Lion's Eye Diamond if you if you had them. Um, Lion's Eye Diamond takes it off into a, a kind of. I think more of a glass cannon approach. I think when when you get into the whole Infernal Tutor into Lion's Eye Diamond into Target, you, you're pretty much putting all your eggs into the basket there. You're clearing out your hand and you're hoping to win that turn. Um, this this version, I, I feel, is slightly more resilient. Uh, enables you to play control for longer in the game, um, but it's it's also capable of some completely busted plays once you once you're needing to go off. Once there's pressure on the table from the opponent. So um, no, in this particular build, I, I would not play Lion's Eye Diamond. Although um, Nokko um, made made the money um, back in February with a list which ran Gush and Lion's Eye Diamond. So if you're interested in that kind of more glass cannon explosive style storm deck, then his list might be worth looking at. Very cool, very cool. What about um, um, a regrowth with the Gifts Ungiven? Have you tried that? Yeah, I think I think regrowth could potentially fit into the deck here. I've, I think I've mentioned before that I love the Gifts package of Yagmoth's Will, Time Vault and Voltaic Key and regrowth. Um, it's, it's just difficult, really. The, the, the main deck's already pretty packed out, and um, I, I, I've already had to reduce the number of Merchant Scrolls in the deck, um, and... Really, you need you need the four petals um, for the, for that little acceleration boost without the the power nine in the format. And testing has absolutely shown that you need to have um, at least two two pieces of main deck um, artifact removal um, to to have any chance of beating shop. So I, I feel compelled to run uh, rebuild and Hercules. Hercules recall, and so it just gets to the point where there just aren't enough slots to to run. Some some nice things. Um, one other card that would be would be good to have in here is Mystical Tutor, um, mm, yeah. helping you to find um, Duress or um, one of the Merchant Scrolls, for example. Or but um, um, but there, there just isn't really isn't really the room for for that luxury. Um, I, I've often found, uh, although while mentioning Gifts Ungiven, uh, I've often found that in most of the kind of matchups that are relevant to classic. Gifts Ungiven is one of the cards that I seem to rightly or wrongly be siding out um, going into game two and three. Um, so, uh, although I've been a big fan of Gifts Ungiven, um, I don't particularly like it in this build. Now, what, um, about, what about Thoughtseize over Duress? Is the two life really important? or Because uh, in theory, I, I would think Thoughtseize is simply a better card. Yeah, um, I, I probably agree with you. Um, now, now that Metalwork is in the format... Um, there probably should be a, a move towards Thoughtseize. This this deck does get quite mana um, life life hungry. Um, you've got the bargain, the necro, and the fast bond. And there have been quite a few games where I've managed to get fast bond out alongside um, Yagmoth's bargain, for example. Or I've got the the gush bond engine going, um, got the bargain down, and then really been down to kind of one or two life before I've been able to kind of kick off. Um, I, I'm not sure. Maybe you're right there that Force Force is is the better is the better card. Um, I I don't currently have any Thoughtseize, um, so that's one of the reasons why this build is is running Duress. Uh, and I think I think maybe the ability to snag uh, 
a turn one metal worker from your opponent on the play could be pretty critical. So, yeah, I think you're right. I think I think Thoughtseize, or at least a combination of Thoughtseize and Duress, should should be in the main deck there. So, um, what about Mana Vault and or Library of Alexandria? Yeah, so I'll take I'll take the question on Library of Alexandria first. You 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 really absolutely need to have the ability to use Gush on turn two. And um, I I feel that you you need that ability to to dodge um, a wasteland or a ghost quarter and and you just need that pure acceleration that that offers you. If you waste mana slots um, land land slots with uh, with the library, you, you really hinder that ability. Um, obviously, not being an island, you can't you can't gush from it. And the other point is that you you run quite a low land count in Gush um, because of the card advantage that you're drawing and, and I just don't feel that, that um, there's enough card advantage in the deck anyway that I don't think you need need the power of the library so it's not something I've tested um, it's just based on kind of thought but library doesn't make the cut and so the other card that you mentioned was Mana Vault um, absolutely that seems like a, a good explosive card to, to help power out some of the, the six mana casted costs in, in terms of the Mind's Desire and the, the Agmos bargain. Um, <coughs> my reason for not including that really, again, comes down to space. Um, it might be interesting to try that over one of the petals, but as a, as a three-colour deck anyway, I, 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 I like the ability to generate coloured mana rather than, um, rather than the colourless mana from, from, from the vault, and we've already got um, Crept and, and Sol Ring in there to, to give us a little bit of... Um, Mana boost, and I like I like the fact that those both those sources um, don't get locked down once you've used them. So they seem to be infinitely more useful against shop when you can use them turn after turn. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, it looks like uh, looks like a pretty solid build, Andy. I'm kind of uh, intrigued by it. it. It makes me wanna. The only card I think I'm missing from this is the gush. So I have well, to admit. It's, well, Zach, if you want to, I will lend you four gushes, and you can play this list in an hour. That's cool. I will uh, check it out. We will yeah. uh, do some testing here. It, it looks like my kind of deck, mostly because, like I said, every time I see this, you have a Gibson Given. So Gibson Given, Mind's Desire, and a lot of Excel with, like, what, what do you typically use the Dark Rituals on? Is it only when you explode, or do you ever see yourself just using that to accelerate into something decent? It's it's normally just when you explode. Um, however, on in certain situations, I, I have used it to to do uh, turn one necro, which I guess is explosion in itself. Um, maybe powering out a couple of um, duress. I've also used it as um, a way to get around spell pierce as well. It sounds a little bit odd, but if I've got a spell that I want to resolve, I'll sometimes fire off a dark ritual first just to kind of increase the mana in my pool to be able to pay for that and, and maybe to try and kind of um, entice an early counter spell. And um, the, the thing with dark ritual as well is that if they don't counter it, it's really good at kind of building the storm count and increasing the mana towards um, a spell which is really not very easily countered in terms of the firing off a of desire. Uh, so I, I really like the Dark Ritual in the deck. It kind of um, fits nicely with the with the Gush Bond engine. I think the difference is in Vintage, um, they have access to, to Time Walk. 
and that's that's huge in the deck because um, they get to to untap and make use of all that land that's been put into play by by the fast bond. So being able to generate additional mana, and also the the dark rituals obviously have fantastic interaction with uh, with Yagmos will, and um, you, you can really pull out some some nice string plays of uh, double dark ritual into Yagmos will with a with a tutor in hand as well and. Um, Usually, you're going to win the game from that kind of position. I will say that this is a great deck to play in terms of um, kind of challenging you mentally along the thought processes, and uh, it's a great fun deck to play. Um, the, the, the thought decisions there, and the, the kind of gameplay, and the, the options open to you each turn are, are huge. And uh, you have to be really careful with uh, with the money that you're tapping down, especially pre-gush. Quite often, you'll have um, a couple of dual lands capable of producing uh, blue, green, or black mana, and um, kind of thinking ahead of what you might draw off the gush and what mana you might need in your pool um, is, is critical to making sure that you uh, optimize your chance of winning from the deck. So I, I, I would recommend, if anyone's uh, got a kind of mathematically inquisitive mind, that this is a great deck to pick up for that reason. Very cool. I guess... the, um... the uh, the only the only other question I'd have is how viable are the oaths in the sideboard? Very, absolutely very viable. Um, they come in against shop, and they present a clock which um, gives gives you an opportunity to find game against against uh, against shop. So <laughs> I, I, I think I think George is right. I think we need another oath target in the sideboard, um, and I'm not sure what I want. Sorry, what I want to cut to get that in, but I, I I'm actually tempted to run three oath of druids. Um, well, I'll just say that when I was running the uh, Bob Tendrils list about a month ago, I threw the oath of druids in my sideboard, and it made a huge difference against workshops. You don't just like Andy. I just like Andy. Just oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead, bud. I'm sorry. I was gonna say just like Andy said. You know, it just gives you time because they can't lay down their lodestone golems. See, like, I'm looking at it, and I have to admit I have a totally different thought. I would rather put in one Tundra and put in four Serenity, because that's just something that is better than a singular Blight Seal Colossus, and it absolutely cripples them. And it's an island you can still run Gush off of. Um, I think Oath of Druids, like, tur- turning your deck around, if you're just worried about one archetype, I say why not just destroy the archetype? I mean, Serenity absolutely eats on... Uh, um, shop decks, I, I would think. Um, I mean, that's, that's another way to go. It's fish. You can't side in Serenity against fish. No, I agree. I don't think this deck... Does this deck have a problem against fish, though? Um, I don't know. Do, what have, have you played against fish a lot, Andy? Um, not, not, not a huge amount. Um... But I do bring I do bring the oath in for for the fish matchup. Obviously, when they've got so many creatures, it would be be crazy not to. Um, I I I just uh, haven't really considered the serenity option that, that Zach's pitched there, and I find it quite intriguing. I mean, uh, it is it is a good opportunity just to kind of land a I win the game card. Um, so it might be it might might be worth uh, worth, worth testing. But it, you you do need those oath of druids or or something for for the uh, the fish matchup because. Although we're quite explosive and can win the game quite quickly, we we don't really have all that much um, 
control or counter magic against early creatures coming down on the table. So they also have uh, have good tech as well to beat the uh, the Blightsteel Colossus if you get an early Tinker. So and, and they have plenty of ways of blowing up a time vault voltaic key combination. So I, I think I would like to keep keep the Aether Druids in against against fish decks as well. Yeah, that's cool. That uh, that makes me want you to have like a Progenitus or a Emrakul in your sideboard even more. Yeah, well, I definitely definitely give that a shot and uh, see how we go. I was or I was Prater. hoping to get. Yeah. Oh yeah, Prater wouldn't be bad. You could bring that in against Dredge too. Yeah, sounds good. Okay, so um, I think that's everything for this week. Um, kind of sucks that no classic events were fired, but. We've we tried to bring you some, some new content for this week. We hope you enjoyed the cast. We'd like to thank uh, puremtgo.com for uh, hosting us and mtgotraders.com for sponsoring us. And uh, see you in seven when hopefully we'll have three events to talk about. Yeah, thanks again, everybody. Uh, another fun week on the show. I uh, really want to thank Killer Owen for uh, coming in and joining us. It was a lot of fun hearing the, uh, the viewpoints of him. So... Uh... Thanks, and we'll see you next week. Georgie? Um, yeah, I'll see you guys next week. There's two events to fire this weekend, and we will uh, all be in both of them. See you then. See ya.